0: I'm sorry, That'll sound great. Change direction, letting fortune pass me by, and there were seldom second chances. your fate upon the water Catch a big wave by the tail And when a good wind blows your way Be ready to say. Now there are th- your fate upon the water catch a big Fade upon the water Catch a big wave by the day truth.
1: Going to do Let the Mystery Be Again because it's just a little bit early. So if you didn't get a chance to sing along before,
0: now's your second chance. <laughs>
2: Thank you to Doug and Sharon for sharing their gifts today. Here, we refuse to be seduced by certainty. Here, we praise the mystery. Here, we give thanks for all that remains hidden. As people of faith and wonder, when we kindle our chalice, we welcome in the delight of mystery, the awe of unfolding adventures, the expansiveness of what it means to behold mystery as a gift to the imagination. In this time of worship together, may our hearts be nudged open to see the light of what may be. Welcome mystery, welcome into our hearts in our time of worship together. The words of Rebecca, Rebecca Savage.
1: rise in body or spirit as we sing our opening hymn, We Laugh, We Cry, which is page uh, 354 in the gray hymnal. We're going to sing just verses 1 and 4. (laughs)
0: I'm <laughs>
3: We laugh, we cry, we live, we die, and now we may be seated. (laughs) Good morning. Welcome to First Unitarian. I'm Catherine Probasco, and I'm happy to welcome everyone today to this gathering of open hearts, inquisitive minds, and diverse spirits. Welcome to folks in the sanctuary, welcome to folks in the social hall, and in the family room. Let's take a moment to appreciate one another's presence here this morning. Can just take a look around, send a little welcome blessing to the people who are near you or the ones who are far away. It is good to be together. Special hello to any small folks with us this morning. Thank you for bringing your families this morning. We have a playground down front for our smallest congregants with a soft rug and fun toys if you like to color, there's an art table in that back corner. If you're really feeling energetic this morning, we have a family room across the way with more toys and space to dance and a live feed of the service. You can dance in here too if you feel so moved. All are welcome here to learn and grow in spirit. We bring our holy, sacred, whole selves into this moment along with our questions, our doubts, and our sense of wonder. Come, let us worship together.
0: Hi, I'm
4: Mia Norin. I'm the Director of Religious Education. And I was just having a very Exciting conversation with a bunch of parents. So here I am. (laughs) And I have a story for you today. Uh, The story I want to tell is called Faithfulness. And it comes from Dr. Uh, Rachel Naomi Remen. And I've used her stories before. And she uses a special word. Um, She has a book of stories, actually, about her grandfather. And her grandfather calls her Nashumala which is a word that means beloved little soul. Often when he came to visit, my grandfather would bring me a present. These were never the sorts of things that other people brought, dolls and books, stuffed animals. My dolls and stuffed animals have been gone for more than half a century, but many of my grandfather's gifts are with me still. Once, he brought me a little paper cup. I looked inside it, expecting something special. It was full of dirt. I was not allowed to play with dirt. (laughs) Disappointed, I told him this. He smiled at me fondly. Turning, he picked up the little teapot from my doll's tea set and took me to the kitchen where he filled it with water. Back in the nursery, he put the paper cup on the windowsill and handed me the teapot. If you promise to put some water in the cup every day, something may happen, he told me. Now at that time, I was four years old and my nursery was on the sixth floor of an apartment building in Manhattan. This whole thing made no sense at all to me. I looked at him dubiously he nodded with encouragement. Every day, Shamala, he sold me. And so I promised. At first, curious to see what would happen, I did not mind doing this. But as the days went by and nothing changed, it got harder to remember to put water in the cup. After a week, I asked my grandfather if it was time to stop yet. Shaking his head no, he said, every day, Nishomala. The second week was even harder, and I became resentful of my promise to put water in the cup. When my grandfather came again, I tried to give it back to him, but he refused to take it, simply saying, every day, Nishomala. By the third week, I began to forget to put water in the cup. Often, I would remember only after I had been put to bed and would have to get out of bed and water it in the dark. But I did not miss a single day. And one morning, there were two little green leaves that had not been there the night before. I was completely astonished Day by day, they got bigger. I could not wait to tell my grandfather, certain that he would be as surprised as I was. But of course, he was not. Carefully, he explained to me that life is everywhere, hidden in the most ordinary and unlikely places. I was delighted. And all it needs is water, Grandpa? I asked him. Gently, he touched me on the top of my head. No, Nishimala, he said, all it needs is your faithfulness.
2: Doves, especially around this holiday season, are widely recognized as a symbol of peace. And for many, this symbol of peace brings hope for a better world. An ancient parable tells a story of two warring kings. As one king prepared for battle, he called for his mother to bring his helmet. And the king's mother, but she refused. A dove had built a nest in his helmet. and The king's mother begged him not to disturb the dove or the nest and the king agreed and so went forth to battle without a helmet. When the opposing king saw his opponent approach without a helmet, he thought this strange and asked why would he do such a thing? When the first king explained about the dove, the second king was moved by the first king's compassion And they, for the dove, and so they agreed not to go to war, but to come to an agreement of peace. It's one story of how the dove became a symbol of peace. Another is the biblical story of Noah on the ark. To purge the world of evil, God flooded the entire earth, sparing only Noah, his family, and the animals that accompanied him on the ark. After floating on the flooded world for a year, Noah sent out a dove from the ark. When the dove returned bearing an olive branch, Noah knew that land was within reach. This Noah took as a peace symbol from God, that the time of the punishing flood was over. And so, Abrahamic religions also recognized the dove as a symbol of peace. As you came into the sanctuary today, you should have received a paper dove. If you did not get one, please raise your hand and an usher will bring you one. Oh, there's a lot of, holy cow. (laughs) Ushers, can you have, do you have the doves? We got a a lot of people without doves. This is going to take a minute. Oh, look at that. People springing into action. I love it. All right, this is going to take a little bit. Do you want to play a little music in the meantime? (laughs) guys where were we who needs a dove right now we got some dove free people <laughs> up front here a couple over there And I want to say a big thank you can we give a round of applause to all the folks who just jumped up and <laughs> made doves happen there we go Judy needs one there we go Judy and her bills sweatshirt go Bills <laughs> I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and so as a football fan, I've known suffering. (laughs) 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 All right, I think we're there, right? Does everybody have a dove? Did everybody get a dove? Okay, thank you. Thanks for your patience. So at this moment, I invite you to think of a hope or a prayer or a blessing for the world that you wish upon the world, and I want you to write it on your dove. Take a moment to consider a blessing, a prayer, a hope. Write it on your dove. There may be, there should be pencils in your chair bags, but we might need to share pencils. That's how we roll. Okay, we've considered these hopes, these prayers, these blessings. When the music begins, I invite you to come forward along the outside aisles to the when you're ready, and then place your dove on the tree. You can see there's already some doves on the tree. And then return to your seats through the center aisles. That'll keep the flow going, because there's a lot of us. And if you can't come forward easily, uh, and we'll be glad to place a dove on the tree for you. Just put your hand up. When you're ready to have it, your dub put up there. When the ushers will take care of that, and let us begin. One, two, three, four, <laughs> Let's, <laughs> let's turn our thoughts to the people and places that are on our hearts this morning. At the sound of the chime, I invite you to speak these names into the room that we may hold them together. All these we lift up to the great powers of healing and renewal known by many names. You join me in the spirit of prayer. Spirit of life and source of love. We lift up the aspirations written on these doves, carrying our best intentions into the new year. May they move from hope to reality. We remember all those for whom the holidays are a time of grief or anxiety or exhaustion. We remember those for whom time with family is a trial rather than a respite. We remember those for whom the holidays are a reminder reminder of the things they lack, be it money or friends or love. May all these people find support and care and resilience. We give thanks for musicians, musicians like Miguel Espinoza Flamenco Fusion, who amazed and delighted us, the audience here in the sanctuary on Friday night. And we give thanks for the work of Susan Peck and the volunteers who made those efforts possible. May they know our gratitude. We give a deep thanks for all the people at this congregation who are working so hard on justice issues, many of whom gathered last night. May their energy, may their collaboration, may their aspirations as Unitarian Universalists, may they be rewarded. And our hearts continue to ache for the suffering caused by wars across the planet. May there be peace and justice and healing. We lift up all the prayers that we carry unspoken. May the hopes of our hearts come to fruition. May this congregation support each of us as we strive to be doves of peace, to be advocates of justice, to be agents of love. May we embrace today and the wisdom that love is enough, care is enough, Service is enough, the rest is mystery, and may that be enough. Amen, and peace be with you. (laughs) Oh <laughs> I was at one of my high school reunions years ago when I was still in seminary and you know how these are a giant exercise in small talk it's exhausting isn't it and I was talking to the spouse of a classmate the classmate I barely remembered I definitely didn't know the spouse and uh, searching around for conversational topics he asked me what I did for a living and I explained that I was studying to be a minister, which is always a fraught thing to reveal. And his response caught me off guard. He said, I don't need to go to church. I don't need a religion to tell me what's right and what's wrong. Well, as you can imagine, the conversation petered out shortly after that. (laughs) It left with the oxygen in the room. You know, and I think, I've thought about that comment for a long time. You know, and I'm guessing that he is a person who maybe never went to church, certainly not as an adult, because he really did not understand why people go to church. So let me take a short poll of the room here. Who is here because they want to be told the difference between right and wrong? All right. I mean, I I do hope that together, like, we deepen our understanding of complicated ideas and issues while we're here, right? I mean, like, we kind of discern, but if someone is in this sanctuary looking for someone to tell them what to do, they will probably be disappointed by this Unitarian Universalist Church. So (laughs) this is not something we do. But it does beg this question, this big question, why do people choose the churches that they do? So in in the first sermon I gave after my sabbatical, I spoke about what I had been up to over the summer and the fall, and I mentioned that since I was free on Sunday mornings, I visited three three evangelical churches in Albuquerque, and I did go to these churches with an honest and open-hearted question. Why do people go to these large churches? They're the biggest churches in Albuquerque, so clearly something is appealing, is drawing people. So I wanted to know in earnest, how are people being spiritually fed by the messages of these churches? I mean, there there are a lot of other things to do on Sunday morning. So why are they taking one of their precious weekend mornings to go put on chinos and sit in a giant auditorium? I needed to know, so I went. And I originally thought a good title for this sermon might be, I went to three evangelical churches so you don't have to. (laughs) the service is not going to be only about those churches and hopefully that will be the extent of my snark regarding these churches because these are places spiritual homes and they deserve some respect on a certain level but I'll I'll show you my experiences at these churches so I went to Legacy Church which has a number of campuses across Albuquerque these are big churches this is a church that per its website calls itself Bible-based, meaning that they think the Bible is truth without error and is also completely relevant to our daily lives, our modern daily lives. On their website, and I apologize for having to say this, but they make no bones about their homophobia and transphobia. And in a strange way, I give them some credit for that. And here's what I mean by that. There's an organization called Honest Church, that addresses the fact that a lot of churches are not honest about whether they are truly affirming and welcoming to queer and trans folks. Similarly, like all churches will welcome women to attend, but won't say up front, some won't say up front, that they deny women the right to be leaders. And you can imagine the damage this does to people who wholeheartedly join a church really invest themselves, engage, put them, bring the most vulnerable part of themselves to the church, and then find out that not only can they not be their authentic selves, who their authentic selves is, is wrong. To be told that is so harmful. So again, at least Legacy is honest about their bigotry. They're bigots, but they're honest. <laughs> um, I mean it. We went to the main church. I went to the main church with a friend who's a Unitarian Universalist, also a journalist. And it was good cover because we looked like a straight white couple, and that helped us fit in. Although my friend wore a mask and was probably the only person in the crowd of 3,000 who was doing that. So we did stick out a little bit. And the service is made up of three components. There were a lot of very slickly produced videos marketing all kinds of ways to spend money at the congregation, at the church like a golf tournament and a conference for women. And the production values on these, on these videos was amazing, just a mi- totally professional. And then there was a, a lot of praise music of a band, a really tight band, you know, sort of a rock band setup, up, sort of mid-tempo pop, like not exactly my jam, but really well executed. There was a very long sermon. All these folks had really long sermons. This sermon was 40 minutes. Holy cow, I am so glad. <laughs> I don't have to preach for 40 minutes. And I bet you are glad too, right? (laughs) But there was the tone of this thing. There was a real toxic masculinity vibe to the service. One of the videos that was sort of marketing was encouraging people to sign up for their gun raffle. Yes, a gun raffle. And I wonder what Jesus would have thought of that. And one of the ushers, an usher, was wearing a, a black t-shirt with an assault rifle on it with the words come and take it this was an usher and the sermon focused on our debts to Jesus and God you know it was just not an uplifting message to me it was a scolding but the place was full the place was full now before the service my friend and I wandered around the huge lobby and legacy and it felt like it was like a an airport or a chain hotel. There was a big line at the coffee stand where they, you know, they charged for coffee, but like people wanted their coffee for the service. But the weird thing is it just wasn't a warm feeling about the place, even the way people were, were relating. And I think my friend nailed it when she said the place felt so full and yet so empty at the same time. It felt like there was an absence of something, maybe an absence of love. And I could go on how this church uh, endorses conservative candidates by name from the pulpit, which is a violation of the Johnson Amendment. That's why I always avoid that. Or how they hosted a speaker who was an anti-vaxxer and who was in, went to jail for participating in the January 6th riot. But I'm actually not sure how much those things inform the average congregant's decision to participate in the life of the church. So I don't want to attribute too much motivation, but it's a strange thing don't you think so I also went to Cavalry Church which is another evangelical church with several campuses huge in Albuquerque they too believe the Bible to be without error and infallible oops Whew, we'll use these later <laughs> yeah. all right now you're wondering right all right so Calvary Church believes the Bible to be in, without error infallible they too are frank about their homophobia And they talk about on their website about how men and women complete each other, which is code for a theology called complementarianism, which basically means that there are two different roles depending on your gender. Men lead and women don't lead. So in the both in the church and in the home, men are in charge, women serve. Yeah, how about that? (laughs) The service format and, and, and and obviously they have no female ministers. The service format was similar to Legacy, really slick videos, promoting church events, lots of praise music, a really long sermon. The sermon was pretty angry, pretty angry. I felt like I was being yelled at. And actually, one of the first things that the pastor, Skip Heitzig, said, he talked about was how bad the governor was for trying to implement a gun ban. This is when that, that uh, child had been shot and she implemented the, the controversial gun ban. But there was nothing about the child who'd been shot. Nothing about the endless carnage. Just keep your hands off my guns. This toxic masculinity vibe. And I wanna note that in October of 2020, while the pandemic was raging, uh, the pastor Skip Heitzig went to an event at the White House introducing Amy Comey Barrett as a candidate to the Supreme Court. I've seen a picture of the event. The only people I see packed into this. It was, it was outside in the Rose Garden, but they were packed in. The only people wearing masks were the military honor guard. That was something. So anyways, 12 people at that event tested positive for COVID. Pastor Skip came back to Albuquerque and immediately preached to his congregation without a mask. And the irony, of course, is he was there because he was celebrating Amy Comey Barrett as a pro-life choice, pro-life. By the way, the, the church... Advertises itself as Cavalry Church with Skip Heitzig. So, are there any board members here? I think. I, oh, yeah. Hi, Amelia. Um, I have an idea. <laughs> Maybe we could become First Unitarian with Bob Valley. <laughs> what do you think? We, we. It's okay. We can talk about it later. I know you want to. That would be hell for me. You know, we're getting a a new sign, uh, actually an electronic sign out front, because our sign is falling apart. Yeah, yeah, that's in the works. There's like a lot of permitting stuff that has to happen and all that. But I was thinking we could put my face up there, just like. (laughs) That would ensure our privacy, right? (laughs) Anyways, then there was Sagebrush Church. Same deal, same deal, Bible is true with no errors. However, there's no discussion on their website that I could see about homosexuality or gender roles, and I don't know what their stand is. I don't know if they're being disingenuous or if they just don't care about that thing. Their worship format was similar, really well-made videos, great band playing praise music, really long sermon. However, however, I have to say that unlike the other two churches I visited, I walked out of Sagebrush understanding the appeal. The tone through the service was so loving and compassionate the message I heard over and over was hey like we're all screw-ups we're all we're all suffering Uh, we've all have regrets about things that we've done but even with all of that Jesus still loves us Jesus still forgives us there was such genuine compassion in the message there was such consolation life is hard and those folks were getting the message that they were still okay. They were still worthy of love. Now, this is not my theology. It's not my theology. I don't count on Jesus to forgive me. Uh, and they did things like they talked a lot about the power of prayer, which I love prayer. But they also like kept hedging their bets. they were like, prayer will do it for you. But also sometimes prayer doesn't work. And it was kind of hard to watch them try and thread the needle. But... I got to say, given my understanding of Christianity, this church was the closest to being Christian of the three that I visited. The closest to being Christian. Um, there was such warmth, and uh, also when I walked out of the service, there was a bouncy house in the parking lot, and they were giving out free hot dogs. So, <laughs> free hot dogs. I thought about converting. For it was a very short thought. <laughs> I want to, there's some caveats to put in here. It's It's not fair to judge, entirely fair, to judge a church by a single visit. I wouldn't want someone to dismiss First Unitarian if they came here on a Sunday when I was having an off day, which happens sometimes. And maybe the misbehavior of their pastors is not a judgment on the congregation that continues to support them. I don't know. And, you know, in more fairness, these churches were much more racially diverse than any UU church I've been to. They were way more disabled folks. It was really, you know, the cl- I, it sens- I got a sense there was a much bigger mix of classes than there is in most UU churches. So they're reaching across a broad spectrum and I have to give them credit for that. Also the service leaders dress really casually and I kind of like that, they're out there and they're like, they're $200 jeans, and they're $600 sneakers, they look really comfortable. So. <laughs> That's appealing to me. Plus the robe makes me look fat. So, <laughs> But especially at Legacy and Calvary, there were these undertones of Christofascism. And you can check out what I mean by this. I, I preached on this on December 11th in 2022. The sermon is on the website. You can watch it. Uh, but the short version of it is that crypto-fascism is the aspiration for the convergence of the state and the religion the state and Christianity, and you know, Christianity would be in charge, no longer be democratic. So it is frankly hard for me to understand why someone would choose a church like Legacy or Calvary or the other hardcore hard evangelicals. Um, and maybe that's the challenge, is to figure out how to love people, even when we see something very different in what, they, what we believe. You know, what is the challenge for us is where where do we find the worth and dignity that we know everyone has yet have such very different beliefs that is the work it's a struggle for me Now i want to share a quote from uh you reverend jake morrill he's talking about a theory from the founder of family systems theory a guy named Mur- murray bowen and jake said murray bowen said There are two basic life forces for people, and all mammals really. The two forces are individuation and togetherness. Differentiation of self involves the ongoing process of balancing these forces in tension. But increased anxiety tends to tip people towards the extremes of either. So the extreme of individuation is emotional cutoff. When I become so my own person, that I have no empathy, no connection to anyone else. That's an that's a individuation. I am an island. The other extreme of togetherness is fusion, where that's where you say, I have real no identity. I just belong to the group. I go, you know, we, I am permeable. Like, I just go along with whatever is said. I, I, okay, like my identity doesn't really matter. The group tells me what to do on everything. So fusion and the emotional cutoff are two sides of the same coin, and they are both expressions of elevated anxiety expressions of elevated anxiety that's the end of the quote so maybe in these hyper anxious times these are such anxious times right maybe people are finding a kind of safety in communities where they are given very defined roles and are encouraged to think what everyone else in the community thinks wouldn't that be kind of comforting in a way just tell me what to do i'm sure there are a lot of other motivations for joining legacy i don't want to overspeculate. the question is back to that question again why does anybody choose the church that they do maybe they grew up in a tradition and that's what's familiar and comforting maybe they want their kids to get some religious education maybe they find in that church an identity that they want to have or maybe they want to belong to something bigger than themselves there was a Pew survey in 2016, asking why people moved to new churches and why they chose the ones that they did. And the top reason of the survey, why people chose the churches, the churches that they did, the top reason was the quality of sermons. So we are in trouble. <laughs> but we can compensate, because after that order, the reasons were feeling welcomed by the leaders, the style of the worship services, the location, and then several more after that. So, style, um, feeling welcome genuinely by the leaders, but I think also by the congregation itself. Location, people like to go to, go to services close by, of course. You know. And when I talk about bad sermonizing, I'm speaking only for myself. I think Angelo is amazing. But, anyways, closer to home, you may remember that our Radical Generosity Committee did a, did a survey of the church back in 2022. And among other things, they asked the congregation, y'all, what feeds your connection to First Unitarian? What feeds your connection to First Unitarian? And it's not exactly why did you choose this church, but it is, tell us something about the draw, right? So the four highest reasons were all practically tied. And they were the ministers. Thank you very much. That's really kind. Finding like-minded people. Sunday services, and social justice. Ministers, like-minded people, Sunday services, social justice. Again, I think everyone has their own reasons for choosing this church and for choosing to stay. I really don't think we should try to attract new people simply for the sake of having a, a bigger church. Rather, I think we as a church, as a congregation, should focus on doing the things that the church can do as well as it can this church especially can do and those things are to my mind creating a community that cares for each other I see that every day offering guidance on how to live meaningful lives so this is not being told what's right or wrong but the way we educate each other about what's a what's a good way to live and then inspiring each other to live into that guidance because it's Getting the guidance is one thing. Being able to move into it is another because often that's uncomfortable. And finally, offering consolation because life is hard. I said that before. We all need consolation, especially these days. We're all carrying something, many things. Now I'm sure this list is not complete, but you get the idea. We should take pride in the fact that we really are a different kind of religious community. We are a place where we won't tell people what to think. We won't give people answers. We celebrate the questions. We find creativity in the questions. And I love these things that make us different. And my prayer for us, my prayer for us is that we can continue to be that congregation, that congregation that shows up for each other, that works for a more just and caring city and state, and that helps us live into our most authentic lives with meaning, and purpose. May it be so.
3: The gifts you make to our weekly offering or through your annual pledge are a tangible commitment to the mission and vision of First Unitarian and our partners. Each time you give, you renew our covenant. As a result, your support is entwined with all that we believe and all that we do here together. Like the cup of soil in our story for all ages, all it needs is your faithfulness. Our new change for the future partners starting today and going through February is Casa Q which provides safe living for LGBTQ youth and their allies through housing, services, and advocacy. As we offer our financial support, let us also offer gratitude for the opportunity to contribute. May this act of giving be a joyful expression of our interconnectedness and commitment to building a world where love, compassion, and justice prevail.
1: to the chorus of this song are printed in your order of service and um, I hope as you become familiar with the melody uh, you will join in
0: and singing along. A short embrace. Heaven is in this place every day. Hope is the ground we till. Make each day what you will. Thankful for dreams fulfilled.
2: What is generously given is received with gratitude. Thank you on behalf of First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque, and thank you also on behalf of CASA Q. I want to say CASA Q is a great organization to support, but it's not theoretical. There are members of this congregation who've had to avail themselves of their services, and if you are a young queer person at risk of losing your housing, you are in terrible danger. And so supporting CASA Q lends itself to the safety and their well-being, people right in our community. So appreciate your support. We've got some announcements.
3: Not everyone loves the holidays. In fact, some folks find them to be painful, perhaps from bad memories or perhaps from present circumstances. We at First Unitarian understand that and invite anyone with a mixed reaction or even a negative one to Join us at a Blue December service this coming Wednesday, December 6th at 7 p.m. We'll be in the social hall and online. You can join us for some comfort and consolation.
2: And Christmas Eve is on a Sunday this year. And that means there will be no morning services. No morning services on the 24th. Don't come here. Uh, But there will be services, multi-generational services, at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. We'll again be celebrating interfaith Christmas with Reverend Amani Malaika and Imam abdul Campos Marchetti. Do you remember the call to worship that he did last year? Totally, totally raised goosebumps. Anyways, uh, join Reverend Angelo and I for that on Christmas Eve. It's going to be super fun.
3: New Year's Eve is also a Sunday, Um, At 9 a.m. we will be on Zoom only, so if you show up at 9, you'll get to wait until the 11. Um, But on Zoom, Angela will be leading a New Year's meditation uh, service there. And at 11, we'll have a special and really unusual experience uh, featuring sound healing with our musical uh, Lydia Clark and her brother Mark Clark, who's a percussionist. So join us for a peaceful morning filled with instrumental sounds and stay tuned for announcements about exciting family friendly events for later that evening.
2: And I invite you to check out the first Unitarian Kids Camp silent auction that is happening right now in the social hall. All these funds go, go to the Kids Camp scholarship funds, which makes it possible for any children, youth who wants to go to camp to do so. Whether they can pay you or not, and you can continue your holiday shopping the next two Sundays too. Next week is the arts and crafts fair, and the following Sunday we shall have a we'll have an all-member art show Mercado. So you can sharp you can shop hyper local by shopping at your church for your Christmas gifts. All right, um, if you're a visitor here and you feel like it, if you want to put your hand up, we'd love to give you a warm welcome of applause. Just. Who's, hey, we're so glad that you're here. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. And t- today is a really cool day because we welcomed four new members into our congregation. I want to invite those four to come up front if you're here. Come on up, y'all. Sorry to all the introverts. <laughs> It'll be over quickly, I promise you. <laughs> it's a powerful thing. That in a time when a lot of churches are declining and even dying, we are a church that continues to grow, that continues to thrive. And I think it has a lot to do with the vibe, with the welcome, the extravagant hospitality that people offer. So we're so glad you're here. This is uh, Nancy McGuire and Emily Strabing and Stephen Carl, Carlin Miller, and that's Andy Morales over there on the end. Uh, say hello to them when you see them at... At a coffee hour, and I just want to say we are so honored and glad that you're here. It means a lot that you put your faith in us. Church is a vulnerable place, and I hope that we can meet your expectations. Blessings on you. You can sit. You're welcome to sit down now. All right. Let's, let's all stand up, embody your spirit. Thinking about peace, let's do our peace greeting. One hand on our hearts. Other hand, reaching out to our companions on the journey. These are the people who are carrying us through. Blessed be to you. Go ahead. And please
1: remain standing right, for our hymn, As Tranquil Streams, which is number uh, 145 in the gray hymn.
2: Go in peace and may we place love at the center of all that we do.